The Notary's Unsealed podcast is brought to you by the Georgia Notary Network and Captivated Notary Marketing Solutions. Coming up on this episode. Real smooth this time. We know the reads unsealed. Uh-huh. That's my everyday life. Yeah. We know the reads unsealed. Ooh. Everyday I hustle out here living it right. Let's go. We know the reads unsealed. Put the stamp down and stop in front of the mic. Here we go. Took the game over. We yeah. home now. We soldiers. Riff, Mathurin, and cue the podcast. You can't hold us. Y'all heard the word. Y'all heard the word. All right, part of people, this is your man Griff and Mathurin. We just sitting here kicking it. Um, welcome to Notary's Unsealed. We don't know what we're gonna talk about. Well, we think we are, <laughs> but heck, we don't know. Our man Q, he's out sick, not feeling too good. So we're gonna try to make this thing do what it do, pop lock and all that good stuff. And um, you know, so yeah. just sit back and just see what happens. Okay, we don't. No, we ain't trying to front. We we don't know. I'm sitting here <laughs> mellow right now because I've been drinking this chaga tea. Um, this it, you I don't know. You heard what? of chaga before? Oh, I heard of it. No, no, I don't think I heard of it. You say oh, chaga? Man. Yeah, C H A G A. It's a mushroom, man. It's a. It normally grows on birch trees and um, and it's little chunks of wood, man. Y'all can't see that. I'm showing him. It's little chunks of wood, you know, oh, nice. from the mushroom, and um, and it has a lot of melanin in it. That's the best way I could describe it to you. Really? So it has a lot of the melanin in it, um, because it's really charred, and man, it's just it, it calms me, calms me like um, like that on um, weed stuff, you know. <laughs> I don't do the weed anymore, but. It calms me down and everything, and uh, so I drink this sometimes before I go to bed, and man, it knocks me completely really? out. Yeah, and all you do, man, and the cool part is you can use those chunks over and over again, maybe like three or four times, and you just soak them in hot water, and it turns your 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 tea, it just turns the water into like a brown amber, and um, it's a different taste. You don't even need to put um, sugar or honey or nothing. I just drink it straight and I'm gonna tell you, man, I'm just like, it just mellows me out. Man, it's the, uh, I never heard of it. So I'm definitely gonna have to try to um, try to look it up or just send me the link if you get if you got it off Amazon. And yeah, then I'll, I will I'll definitely try it out, man. Yeah, because um, it's a part. It's like a um, superfood. It's a part of a super superfood group. It's up there with the Ricci mushrooms and stuff. Mm -hmm. So um some people you know some companies they grind it down and you can take it you know in a pill form but i like the tea oh really thing. all yeah. right yeah no nah, I, I would definitely try it out you know especially oh, yeah. especially if it helps you sleep <laughs> mm -hmm. oh yeah it helps me sleep now that with some um magnesium magnesium pills man shoot i'm i sleep real good when i take this stuff man yeah and you'd be you just be knocked out huh <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll be knocked way, way, way out. So, and all that. But yeah, so this week for me, man, it's been pretty good. Um, but this so far this month here, um, what's this month? June? Yeah, June. June 11th. Um, yeah, yep. so I've done about 23 signings between, you know, the first nine days of the month. Didn't do anything this weekend. And then I got five that I'm scheduled for next week and then one for the week after. Um, 
man, this mortgage industry, they trying to get people to buy and sell these houses. And they coming up with all these little funky, fancy programs and stuff. And people are desperate. And I'm like, y'all go ahead on and buy. I, I can't tell yeah, you not can't, to. Yeah, you so, can't tell them. You can't you tell know, them. You, you think it's going to be like 2008 all over again? Uh, I mean, everybody's saying it's not. See, I couldn't. I didn't really follow 2008. You know, I knew what was going on. That's I bought a house during that time. Yeah. To like in 2006. So... I was already set. So um, I don't know. I mean, some people are saying it will. Some people are saying it won't. Um, they're saying the inventory is what makes it different this go around. Okay. But all I know is at some point in time, the one thing I do know that's the same or similar, at least, is that these mortgage companies are going to try to find a way to get people in the houses. And I'm seeing, I'm seeing not a whole lot, but I'm seeing more interest-only loans. Um, I've seen where new home builders are doing these buy-downs where they're getting people to get into the house for 4%. But then after three years, the interest rates is going to rise back up. So they're getting them wow. in at a low. It's, it's almost like an interest-only loan, yeah. but it's not interest-only. You're actually paying, you know, principal interest payment alone. And everything and not just the interest only but they're giving you a low low rate temporarily for like two or three years mm-hmm. and then it shoots back up jeez you know yeah so, that's bad that's bad right there man yeah so that's if anybody is not good with it you know if anyone's not good with their finances i would not advise you to get something like that like if you are able to manage it and if you are able to afford it even if the rate rate goes up you know by all means do what you need to do but yeah. if you if you're not the one who is financially responsible and you're not able to manage it and or you decided to set your entire you know lifestyle based off the original four percent um the four the four percent interest rate so then when it's increased you know, you still want to live your lifestyle off the four percent interest rate. Now you, now you're gonna be in some trouble. But right. If you're responsible with your funds and you are able, if you are able to manage it, you're aware when it's going to increase. Then hey, if you want to take this opportunity, we're not gonna stop you because you're gonna need a notary. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I mean, I listen to the gurus out there, and I hear them saying, "Don't buy, don't buy," but um. I'm not saying don't buy. I'm not saying buy. I'm saying you do what you need to do, but I'm going to be ready for you either way it goes. Exactly. I'm going to step in and notarize those signatures on those documents um, and everything. So, I mean, the people buy, I'm cool with it. And the way I look at it, if they buy and let's just say a small percentage of them are smart. And then in a couple of years when the interest rates go down, which they always do. Mm-hmm. And you can expect me to be right there when you refinance and I'll be notarizing that one also. Um, or if you decide to get a HELOC or whatever the case may be, you know, um, but for some people, it's, a, it's it could be a bad move right now buying a house. Um, there's also the issue. They talking about 40 year mortgages and things of that nature. So, yeah. Yeah. As if as if the 30 year mortgage was not bad enough. Right. I mean, <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, so to me, this is still a good time for anybody who is currently a notary 
that you need to get your act together, get out there and do some closings, do something with these signing companies that are sending orders out. Yeah. Even if, yeah, like one lady I met, she she drives up to an hour and a half. She's in Maine. She drives up to an hour and a half, one way to go to closing. You know, and she would love to, you know, get them closer. But right now, that's not the case. And, you know, we talked about how she could talk to them about getting more money. You know, plus she has no error. So I'm like, that right there is a plus. And here's one of the things that you got to realize is that in marketing yourself or talking about an increase of pay, you know, which is an individual basis and NNA, I am not talking about polluting or any of that. So I got to throw that disclaimer out there. (laughs) (laughs) But what I'm talking about is you recognizing, hey, if I'm not, if I'm error free and I'm not causing you problems with constant redos, I'm actually saving the company money Mm -hmm. by being able to get the closings done on time because I went out there and did what I'm supposed to do. And that's a that's a a thing that you can market to them, some leverage that you have that, look, when you when you close with me, I'm saving you money because you don't have to worry about me have to constantly go back out there and redo stuff. And even if I did make a mistake, I would do it for free. And that's what I told. I said, just share that with them and everything and see what you can get for as an increase you know um especially if you're willing to go out there now if they say no then you have to make a decision whether you want to continue to work with them um hopefully they will tell her yes or anybody who's driving an hour and a half yeah that's a stretch yeah that is a stretch and wish and she said just the part where she lives out in maine it can make it a little difficult. And that's one of the other aspects that some notaries it's well, I can't say they don't take it in consideration because the way it's marketed is if no, there's notary assignments everywhere, no matter mm-hmm. how rural you are, it's right there. So, um, now cause I mean, you're not in a rural area, are you? Uh, no, no, uh, no, no, I'm not. I, <clears throat> I, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad I'm not because I do know a couple of notaries <laughs> that, that are in the area, just like you said, the one that's in, in Western Massachusetts. I have a couple of notaries out there, you know, they have expressed to me, you know, sometimes they have to drive in, you know, a few extra miles, you know, to get some work done. Me, I'm between them. Um, like I'm in a, I'm in a growing city. I've, I'm between a multiple town. So, you know, so I can get to Boston area within 40 minutes or 45 minutes if there's no traffic. But, you know, I do speak with those notaries that's in, in Western Massachusetts, you know, that are doing, you know, similar type of driving, you know, up to an hour just to get to a signing. And some of them doing it during the pandemic, they were able to get an increase and some were not able to get an increase. So that kind of affected the entire the entire method on how they handle their business and which is okay. you know which is part of it you know what yeah. i mean mm-hmm. yeah man that's that's some oh. well and see mm. yeah that's a lot you gotta yeah that's <laughs> a lot you gotta be ready to do your thing um either you gonna either you gonna you know roll with it or you're not one of the two and stuff so yeah that's that's an interesting one right there everything so now i know a lot of people been asking you matherin about yeah the real estate you said people been calling you up and interested in 
learning more about real estate and how that's supposed to happen and how do you get involved in it and everything so okay so this is impromptu y'all so all right so (laughs) and i'm gonna talk to you like because i've i've always been interested in it but i'm gonna be honest with you man i always scared that and I ain't got time to be losing all my money because yeah. I understand, you know, the wholesaling, you know, the assignment and all of that. And I'm like, you know, if the person backs out the deal, am I on the hook for it? So, so my first question is, okay, doing the wholesaling, you know, yeah. where you're doing the, you know, as, you know, assign and or assign part. Mm-hmm. Um, if the person decides to back out the deal, what happens if you say you, they're selling the house. They want to sell the house, and you get them to say sell it for forty five thousand. Yeah, you can, and you and you find somebody that's willing to pay you. Let's just say ninety thousand. We'll say double, so yep. ninety thousand dollars for it. And the person who's selling the house decides that they want to back out. All of a sudden, are you stuck in that deal? You the 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 person who just did this contract. Or what? What happens? Um, it's usually based on the type of clause that you have. So let's say, you know, like in this particular situation, if the person decide to back out, <clears throat> usually if the end buyer, the investor that's going to be flipping the property, if they had already put up, you know, an earnest money deposit, in most cases, that earnest money deposit goes back to them. Okay. But how? But however, <clears throat> if we find out the owner is backing out because in order person contacted them and they got their property under a contract now that owner because they already had a property under property under contract with you you can legally take them to court okay because because if if we already had a if we already had an agreement it's already an escrow a deposit has been made and another wholesaler reach out to you let's say they say they'll pay you fifty thousand so instead mm-hmm. of now you are and then you start avoiding me and because you signed the other contract for 50,000. Now the end buyer that because we had already assigned the the equitable interest of the property to the end buyer. Now he has every right to take to take that homeowner to court as far as for the earnest money that he deposited. And at times, like I've seen people who actually went to court, filed the right paperwork and still was able to buy the property at the at the original price so okay okay now i've heard that there's also a document i wish i could remember the name where if you get it signed and notarized and you can have it recorded which basically sort of gives an alert to that oh somebody has already got a deal going on i wish i could remember the name um of it. i think it's the it's uh i want to say it's the memorandum it's a uh, it. um yep Mem- it's the memorandum that you know to stop the same situation of somebody you know if they want to back out of your contract right. because they get a higher fee so yes. I, i've seen some i've seen yeah, a lot a of investors contract or something to that effect yeah. or something it's a yeah, and if and and there was one guy out of all the real estate investors I've listened to over the years, mm-hmm. there was this one guy who made mention of that, and that's when I said, okay, I might be able to do that because I need to know how do I protect myself and not be stuck with where I'm having to buy the house when I'm just the middleman and everything. Yeah. And when he talked about that document, I was like, okay, 
that's good to know. I didn't know that because he said in certain cases, if somebody really want to circumvent it, they probably can. Yeah. But he said it's a way to protect yourself as the wholesaler so that if somebody tries to go and do something that they, you know, be sneaky, you're protected. And I was yeah. like, all right, Ben, you know, I said, okay, I'm, I'm cool with that, you know, so, but I just never went out there and did it. And I'll be honest because I'm concerned, you know, with the real estate thing, I'm just like, and I've heard so many people getting taken advantage of. Yeah, so of I course. said, I gotta be careful. And that's what sort of also pushed me toward going with the loan signing stuff. I said, well, mm -hmm. I can, I said, I don't think I'm gonna be stuck with buying a house if I do the loan signing. Oh yeah, no, no, <laughs> as, no as, as far as, as far as that, you know, what people need to understand is, you know, if you, you know, if you wholesaling, you know, like wholesaling properties, you mm -hmm. know, because I do it here in Massachusetts and I do it in North Carolina. And then recently I told you I got a property down in Virginia. Yeah. So the whole thing is <clears throat> you need to have the right paperwork because the whole concept is you are, you know, you are reaching out to a homeowner that either has a distressed property or they inherited a property that they don't want. Or even if you reach out to a landlord, you know, a lot of um, for rent properties, or if the, let's say they have an issue with, with, with the tenant, the whole concept is, let's, let's use you for example. If you have a property and let's say I reached out to you, you said that you want to sell it to me for $100,000. So based off your price, Griff, what I do is I do some market research. I see okay. what is the properties in the area are going for once they are fixed up and what they are selling for. So if you want a hundred thousand dollars for it, and I go in, I look at the amount of repair that it needs based on the repair costs, based on the ARV, the after repair value. That's how I'm able to, you know, whether your hundred thousand makes sense or whether your hundred thousand does not make sense. So a lot of people, what a lot of these gurus i'm gonna say gurus what they'll teach you is they'll say okay just go out and get the property in the contract just I've just to have, yeah just to have the contract me on the other end i like to do my research even prior to as soon as a homeowner say they are interested I, i'm looking at what the properties in the area that were similar are selling after they're being repaired so let's say the hundred thousand dollar works for me right now right. I sign a purchase and sell agreement with you for $100,000. So if that property, let's say the property will be worth $350,000 after it's rehab. So now I either reach out to my network or I go on Facebook. Um, Sometimes you're able to find them on LinkedIn. So mm -hmm. you, you tell them that you have a property that you are looking to assign. You know, you're assigning the incredible, um, the incredible interest of that property because you're not selling it because right. once you say you are selling the property now you're acting as an agent you're not a real estate yeah. agent correct you know it's just one of those things with the laws it's all about the wording that you're using okay you know so you're assigning your interest to that property to that end buyer so right. the the end buyer comes in let's say you assign it for one hundred and twenty-five thousand. Now you create a contract between yourself and the end buyer. All right. Gotcha. Okay. So you have a contract with the um, with the seller for a hundred thousand. 
then you have another contract with the end buyer for 125,000. Okay. Then the end buyer opened escrow. So they put in the earnest money deposit. Okay. And then, so from there, your position is stable. Like you are right there in the middle. The closing cost is handled by the, by the end buyer. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's any unpaid mortgages, any unpaid taxes, of course, that's coming through the seller side. Because right. we all know the city got to get paid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Uncle Sam got to get paid for taxes. Now, at the closing table, most people say they, they will say, okay, tell the seller that you can buy it within 30 days. And that's usually give you a window for the title search to get done to make sure there are no leads on the property, to make sure the person who's selling it to you actually owns the property. All right. So if if everything checked out, you get a clear title, clear to close. At the end of the day, at the closing table, the seller get the hundred thousand. You walk away with twenty five thousand. Gotcha. Now, here's the question. And I don't know if you. (laughs) answer this or not or whatever but I guess the question then becomes if the person is willing to sell it for a hundred why not the main buyers of it just go to them directly instead of using a middle person yeah because most of the time those end buyers are not doing what's required to find those sellers you know because a lot of people that's out there um, they are cold calling they are mm-hmm. direct mail marketing. They are sending emails. They are text blasting. Um, they are hiring, you know, virtual assistants to reach out to these homeowners. The end buyers, they are usually, they, they are looking for a deal. You know, um, gotcha. what I've realized, a lot of end buyers, they do not want to go through that entire process. So if they can get a wholesaler out there that knows the numbers, that knows at least the legal side of it on how to do it right. properly, Okay, then that's sense. you know that's who they are going to go with, because Griff, if you had to spend, let's say, if you had to spend two weeks two weeks calling one seller to you know okay. to get a property in the contract, versus you just coming in, the guy reach out to you, hey Griff, I have a deal. These are the numbers. Does it make sense to you? Does it meet your buying criteria? Right. So if it does, now you just skip maybe at least a week worth of calling follow-up calls you know sometimes it'd be months see what i mean because the whole thing with the whole thing with um with real estate we know it's a numbers game the more people you reach the more people you reached out to the most the more likely you're able to get something under contract gotcha okay that makes sense because those are the questions that i had for myself i was like well if that's the case then Brad would want to just do it himself. Why would he need to use me? But when you say it like that, with the so now that now the question then for myself is: <laughs> Do I want to even do all that cold calling? Do I want to go th- because it seems like you you know the person who's doing the cold calling really got to have their act together and be disciplined yep. in doing that and everything. Which listening to what you're sharing, I understand even better how difficult it is for you to be trying to do the notary full-time and that full-time because yeah. if you're doing if you're taking a whole bunch of orders that can be difficult because yeah. you're sitting here busy trying to do that and you don't have time to do the calling and things of that nature that you need to do for them to get 
you know, for you to get the necessary information so you can then present it to somebody in the network. Yeah. So now, yeah, you know, as you guys know that, you know, I did recently um, get a virtual assistant, you know, she, Mm -hmm. she, she now has been doing most of the calling. Like I'm still like, I'm still making calls, but I'm now I'm not, I'm not doing it like five to six days a week. So I choose the certain days that I do, um, that I do have to make calls. But what people, what people need to realize, even just as a notary, every time where I'm going to a notary appointment, I'm coming across vacant properties. And I can almost guarantee you every notary out there have gone to an area where there's like a distressed property, but they don't know that that could possibly, you know, bring them some sort of income. So they just drive by it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? And when you get to a situation like this, what you do is you write down the address. So you write down the address, you go to the tax assessor's office, you type in the address, you see who owns the property. So once okay. it shows you who owns the property, now you'll do what they call skip tracing. Skip tracing mm-hmm. is where you get the phone numbers. And okay. a lot of people, they usually say, well, doesn't that cost money? No, there's a, there are a lot of free websites. True People Search is a good one. Fast People Search, you can do yellow pages then you look up the you, you you look up the owner's phone number then you reach out to them you know if the property is vacant you already know one they don't live there two it's vacant it needs repair and if it's one of those properties that's completely covered in trees now you know they have not been there in years mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. now there's a possibility of a high motivation level and you just reach out to them. Just let them know, hey, I came across your property at 123 Main Street. I'm just reaching out to see if you have any interest of wanting to sell. And, gotcha. You know, that's, um, that shows you like the basic stuff, you know, as far as you making the calls. And of course, I wouldn't advise anyone to use their personal numbers. Okay. Because, you know, there are a lot of people out there that's weird. You know, it's... They get crazy. <laughs> so so look for like a secondary phone number that you can use when you are calling these people. Because every now and then you do get, you know, that one, you know, homeowner or like a kid, you know, that, you know, their parents passed away. They don't want to deal with anybody, you know, trying to contact them regarding the property. But, you know, the opportunities are out there, you know, because... What you can make on a deal, like I, I think um, last year the average wholesale deal was between ten thousand and twelve thousand dollars. The okay. average, the the average wholesale deal. Of course, the deals varies. You know, I've had, you know, I've seen people made as little as you know a thousand dollars. I've seen people made. There was a guy in Texas. He made eighty-seven thousand dollars of one deal. Okay, like. To most people, that's life changing. To me, that would be life changing. <laughs> you know, like you make eighty-seven thousand dollars of one deal. Hey, come on now, hey, come on. That's life changing. But like everything else, you know, you have to do your research. You have to understand the proper way to go about it, and you know, just go out there and take action. Like it's possible. Like I've done, again, I've done deals in Massachusetts, North Carolina. I have one deal in at, um, that's going to the title company in Virginia right now. You know, the deals varies, but 
any notaries that's out there, especially those who's been reaching out to me. Look, I've said that before, and I'm going to say it again. If you find a property in your area, uh, we can team up with it. Like we can, like I can literally walk you through it. Like if it's a deal, if it's a deal, understand that anybody that's flipping in your area, they will want it. If the numbers make sense, the numbers have to make sense like everything else. You know, if um, if the owner is actually $100,000 for a house and the house only worth one twenty, dollars <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that house better be, on, be in top condition. Because yeah. it because it doesn't make sense for you to buy a house for hundred thousand dollars, then have to put in anywhere from fifty to another hundred thousand dollars into it for it to be only worth you know, the numbers have to make sense. Okay, well I just threw an uh, address in there, but I just looked on Zillow. It's been sold, and I'm sitting here like I don't <laughs> see why because I've been I've been passing by this house and it had a dumpster. Bin. Look, this thing is four bedroom, two and a half bath, one thousand nine hundred and Jeez. four feet. And they talking about they just sold it for three hundred and fifty. Three hundred and fifty. Fifty thousand. Wow. My house is twenty four hundred square feet. Actually twenty five hundred square feet. And my house is valued at over four. And I'm mm-hmm. like close to five. And I'm sitting here like, wait a minute. This uh uh-uh. this house is just a little bit bigger than my townhouse that I had. Yeah. But you in the price of three fifty was probably about what I paid when I first bought this house. So I'm sitting here like, oh nah, that, yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, no, that, that ain't no wholesale deal there. Nah, nah. You yeah. know, I, I did it. So depends uh, because it looked like <clears throat> because because I just pulled it up too. So that right there could also. Could have been a wholesale deal, um, based on because what what some wholesalers will do. Um, let's say if they had got this that property that you just sent me, let's say they had got it for like two, let's say two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, right? Mm-hmm. And because the after repair value, I'm assuming the after after repair value is maybe around four hundred or four fifty or some like some somewhere in that area. They could do something that's called a double close. So with the double closes, you know, some like there are companies out there that will charge you a trans um transactional trans transactional funding where they charge you a fee where they um that they, they will provide you with the funds for you to do the closing and at at the end of it, you just once you get your money you pay them back. So in a situation like this, let's say they had got that property for Two hundred and fifty thousand, and then they end up selling it to an end buyer for three hundred and fifty thousand. So the three hundred fifty thousand is what's going to show on you know the most recent sell list. Yeah, right now it's showing. Now see what I'm seeing in it's saying in two thousand eight, it was bought for two fifty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <then> somebody <laughs> in two thousand eight for two fifty. But then it was sold just recently, May of this yep. last month for three fifty. And see, the weird part is, it still has a dumpster out there, and it's abandoned. I mean, well, not abandoned. It's not. It's vacant. So I'm sitting here like, okay, somebody just bought that for three fifty, and they trying. And I guess they're supposed to be doing some repair work on it. Yeah, most likely that's what they're going to do. That's what they're going. They're going to completely remodel it. Um, like it's definitely a good size house. 
they're going to remodel it. They're probably going to force some, um, force some appreciation, whether they put in a new bath, new kitchen, or if they, if they want to go all out, Griff, they could possibly, if it's possible, get a permit to add another bedroom. Yeah. And I'm just looking at the houses in that area. I'm like, them houses are smaller than mine. And you talking about 400,000? Yeah. Okay. This house is just still, okay. This house is a little bit bigger. But uh, these houses, I mean, these houses are from back in the 70s. This is what? This is 83. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ah. Now, the lot itself is big. It's a 10,000 square foot lot. So, yeah. man, that's huge. Okay, yeah. that's huge for this area. Yeah, so it, de- so, yeah, so it definitely has the opportunity, you know, if they wanted to add an extra bedroom to it um, okay. to force the appreciation, you know, that will definitely help, man. But, okay. you know. It's like, you know, I just want to, you know, for for everybody that's out there, especially the notary, um, you know, we understand that, you know, there has been a slowdown the past few months, you know, maybe going to a year now. You know, if you come across these houses, you know, just it, all it requires you to do is take some action, you know, because every neighborhood is different. Every state is different. Um, I think. I think there's a couple state right now they are trying to force people to get licensed to wholesale. Yes, I've heard about that. Yeah, so I think um probably down in Maryland. I I don't know, so don't quote me on it. But if you're not in a state where you're not required to get a license, like it's not it's not something that's impossible. No, it can definitely be done. You know, it can definitely be done. And again, you guys can always reach out to me. Um, because one deal can change your life. Like one deal, like you can make, you know, let's say you make $20,000 of one deal. You know, that's probably more than you will make doing notary for, you know, based on your area for the entire year. So it's, it definitely requires the work. So I'm not going to sit here and say like that it was easy. I know a lot of folks don't like making calls. You know, that's one thing I was not a fan of, <laughs> of making the calls in the beginning, Griff, you know, but, okay. you know, but that's something I had to get over because I'm like, okay, if I'm trying to get the deal closed and if I'm trying to, you know, make that extra income for my family, then I need to get on the phone. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter if I, it doesn't matter if I get cussed out, like I've been threatened at the end of the day, all they can do is threaten you like if i if i'm in massachusetts and you in texas <laughs> like mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i mean i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna come to your house some more and fight you all right good luck with that <laughs> it seems like you people talking about being threatened and doing notary work it seems like it's more dangerous to be a daggone wholesaler people come um man look like they it's like you you'll be getting you know friends to get sued but there's so many different resources out there like before you call a property you can even even go to the registry data to make sure that if the person is on the do not call list of course don't call them mm-hmm. you know there's there's way to find out who like which owner is on the do not call list guess what if they say they do not want you to call them some people what they'll do is okay i'm not calling you but i'll send you a direct mail <laughs> now if you want the do not call list and do not mail list that's completely different 
So, yeah. So right now, Griffin, you can go register your, your phone number for people not to call you. You can register your address for people not to mail anything to you. But if you on both lists, if somebody reached out to you, then of course you have every right to take legal action. But if you only on the do not call list, some people will send you a letter. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. So, okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm much clearer. I'm sure the audience is clear now about that. So now I know me and you was talking about getting your kids involved in business and not just maybe notary business, but in business altogether. Mm-hmm. And now my take on it is that's a dangerous thing to do for some people. And the reason why I say that, if you are an individual who's sneaking around and doing stuff that you ain't supposed to be doing, not yeah. following real estate laws, wholesaling laws, or even just basic notary laws and stuff, you can be exposed big time by having your son or your daughter involved in your business teaching them unless you're going to teach them to do it illegal so if you're not teaching them to do it illegal then that means you got to be careful of them seeing you do things that should not be done Mm -hmm. and that's that's going to be risky for some people i think you can bring your son or daughter into the business you just find a way to get them in and show them the right the ropes but i think it can force a person to say you know what let me make sure i'm doing things right before i have my son or daughter get in this business because if they're watching you do it wrong they're going to do it wrong unless that's your family business to do stuff (laughs) but um i do think there's an opportunity for let's say from the notary standpoint for you to bring your son or daughter into the business or even a nephew and or niece to say hey let me show you this business and show you how you know it can benefit you how you can do good in it and make you some extra money mm-hmm. and the key thing is just as long as you're doing it correctly showing them the right way to do it you should be okay you should be able to just keep things going and bring them in um to the business you know so i showed my son he's not doing it as much because he is really working some long long hours with the water meter reading but it was fun for me to it was it was fun for me to take him out with me i enjoyed it hey um, see to i might have to talk to watch him, him. Hmm? see i might have to talk to him Craig, because you just say the said the water reader meeting yeah he reads the does the water meter reading yeah see i might have to talk to him because that right there is a very popular list in real estate <laughs> oh, yeah is. yep yep you know especially you know you know because he knows which property doesn't have water <laughs> okay you see what i mean so mm-hmm. it, yeah yeah so i might have to talk to him you know okay you know see, see see if me and him can do something because that's uh you know because there's different lists people can pull such as vacant property lists foreclosures lists you know um the delinquent lists the water shut off list in a fire damage list but yeah 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 i definitely mind to talk to your son i think okay <laughs> yeah so bringing a kid into any business i mean it can be to me it can be a lot of fun it can be very very exciting um but even when i thought about it i said i had to check myself and say make sure that hey okay am i doing stuff correctly 
Because let's mm-hmm. be real, you don't want to be embarrassed by your own kid, your kid calling you out and calling the state on you, getting your commission pulled. No. no, no, you do not. You do no, not want to do that. that. You know, and then you don't want your kid, especially if you got the kid that like to tell mom everything. So he's like, <laughs> yeah, mom, dad, doing all these illegal notarizations. No, I, I, I mean, you, I, I don't know if I can work with him because he's just doing stuff illegal. Yeah, you, want that, you know, no. um, so it's best to make sure you're doing things right. And maybe that's why some people have a hard time getting their kids involved in certain things, because the kid already knows that you're not doing stuff right. So how are you going to tell me when you can't even do it right? So, yeah, no, you're right. You know, so I just made sure that, hey, OK, I'm doing things correct to the best of my ability and then share with him how he can do it and he did well i mean he honestly did very very well when he was doing it and i went with him on a couple of signings he also came with me and i used him as a witness multiple times and all of that good stuff so that he could see the flow and it was beautiful so but you as the parent got to be willing to be patient with them if you're not willing to be patient Mm -hmm with your son or daughter while they're learning you you probably can't be the one to teach them no you know but i'm able to be patient with my son and just watch him and like okay and not embarrass him if he happens to make a mistake or whatever the case may be and and like i said we was rolling with it we did good together um it's just that once he started back doing a meter reading it was just too much and he's working sometimes six days a week. Yeah. And when he finishes, he's tired. And I, I know what I do but what I know about my son is that when he's tired, his focus is way off. So he can't do notary stuff tired. Yeah. He'll make all kinds of errors and stuff. Yeah, of course. Everything. I wish it would, so now So which makes sense. Now what about your kids? Mm-hmm. Oh man, as far as far as my kids, you know, I do I do think, you know, just like you were saying, Griff, if you are able to teach them, you know, the responsible way, you're able to teach them the right way of doing business. I think that is something that can contribute later, you know, in life for them, you know, especially if you are exposing them to, you know, business concept at such a young age, you're teaching them a new skill. And just by doing that, you're already putting them ahead of most children. You know, especially within our community, you know, I I have seen increase as far as, you know, people trying to teach their kids financial Mm -hmm. literacy. Okay, so now see, one of the things that I've also learned is that, um, or did I know that's a concern? Um, Let me see here. Hold on, let me pull this up here. So one of the things that I've seen or figured out is that sometimes or in mm-hmm. the industry that you're in, you might not even want your kid to be a part of it. That's one of the areas that, you know, concerns that anybody can have that. Hey, I don't even know if I want my kids to be a part of this because it's some crazy, yeah. crazy stuff going on. So that can make you a little iffy. So. The other side of the house is even if you don't get them involved in your part of the in your actual industry notary real estate whatever the case may be 
I think if you're doing your business good in that industry, you can still at least help them get into business, show them how to get into business, period. And I think if you, as the adult in the situation, make sure that you focus mm -hmm. on how to do things correctly, then you'll be able to help them no matter what industry, <clears throat> no matter what industry that they actually get involved. So, I mean, even if your kid doesn't do their entrepreneur stuff from the standpoint of like what we're doing, but let's say they're, they're yeah. trying to be a physical therapist, a doctor or something of that case, you can still provide them with advice and guidance and direction in how to do that you know um and that's what i'm you know that's one of the things that i try to do because like my youngest son um he actually he can he's really? actually a great artist and he's going to be working with q to get some things straight and all of that but you know stuff that i can't teach him for is art wise but i can teach him how to market his business and to you know, go out here and do things and keep him motivated yep. through the rough times of trying to sell and might not be selling because okay. he's looking to doing commission work and everything. So what I'm doing is I'm researching and looking at people online who do commission work and looking at the different ways that they go about doing it, how they're using TikTok, how they're using um, Instagram to promote yeah, the makes work sense. that they're doing. And then I relay that back to him and everything. So I think that's a key thing that as a parent or an adult involved in somebody's life, whether, you know, your mm -hmm. nieces, nephews or whatever, that's how you can help them move to the next level of Absolutely. Um, entrepreneurship. Absolutely, yes. And everything. So... But um, hmm, let's see here. And we have my man Matson having a little technical difficulty. Like I told y'all, we just shooting from the hip tonight, so we ain't trying to hide nothing. So he having a slight technical difficulty. So I'ma just keep chit chatting and chopping it up with y'all and everything, and hopefully we can get him back on and all of that. So hey, we just being <clears throat> real tonight. You know, no need to out of pretend because they'll be like hey Griffin's running his mouth a little long a little longer than usual but you know Griffin really don't talk that like that <laughs> but um but yeah so so other things that's been going on with me while he's trying to get things straight back on his end <clears throat> is um a lot of people went to the NNA conference and coming back from that you know, people will always be hyped up and ready to go, go, go. But now the question is, can you sustain it? Can you stick with it when you are faced with some roadblocks? Because if you, sorry about that, if you kept falling out of the business or moving away from it or doubting yourself or questioning it prior to going to the conference, you know, what are you going to do now that you're coming back? So you got to be able to stay focused and motivated. And when I would go to conferences or other kind of meetings and stuff, that was a hard thing for me was to stay motivated for like a month or two afterwards. So that first couple of weeks, oh, yeah, I'm ready. I'm <laughs> but then after that, 
question is, can I stay motivated? Can I stay focused on doing what I need to do? Especially, you know, um, going back into, um, you know, taking it and then going back out here in the industry, looking at people who are struggling and then falling into that cat, you know, that, that catechism of doubt and disbelief because they're struggling. But I guess I'm going to struggle too. So I had to figure out, okay, I got to stay strong, motivated. I got to make sure that no matter what's going on with other people, I'm not going to allow that to stop me. If I made up my mind, this is what I'm going to do in this business. If I made up my mind, here's the, the, the approach that I'm going to take. Then guess what? I'm going to take it, even if nobody else believes it. Because here's the cool thing. When you do go to conferences and things of that nature, what I do know is that as you're sitting there, your vision expands. You start seeing, oh, wow. Okay, I can do this. And then sometimes you will get an idea or inspiration that nobody else has. You will see something for your business that nobody else is going to see. And then it's a matter of you. Okay, let me do it. Okay, I got to figure out how to do this. And then, of course, you got to be careful who you share that with because then they'll either discourage you or try to steal it from you. There's one of the <laughs> very few notaries will will um, encourage you and try to help you move forward with it at all. You know, they won't do anything to help you move forward. So going to a conference, going to a get together, um, you either... You know, you hear something and you're motivated. People are either going to discourage you from moving forward in it or they're going to try to steal what you said. And you have to be careful. And that's where you got to find the right people <clears throat> to have around you in order for you to stay motivated and keep going. So and like for me, my number one person is my wife. Um, I talk to her about different things that I want to do. Um, and even if she doesn't fully understand it, I'm cool with that because what it does is it allows me to actually share with her. And then I'm hearing myself and I'm like, you know what? Now that I hear myself talking about it, nah, that ain't it and everything. Or, you know, I say, you know what? Yeah. And then she can actually give me some good ideas or a different perspective on what I'm trying to do and and ask the questions to me of things that I'm probably not even taking into an account, you know, so having that special someone, having anybody that you can actually talk to and actually um, get some solid advice and, and basically some, I guess, some untainted advice or feedback from because they're not looking at it as, oh, well, you're competition and you're going to steal my clients and all of that. And they're just saying, OK, well, this is what you want to do. So how does this work? How does that work? And having those conversations with her um, is really, really, really helpful for me to make sure that I can actually, you know, do what I need to do in the business, you know, um, so I enjoy talking to my wife. Me and my wife talk a lot about business and everything. She talks to me about hers and then it's like, oh, okay. You know, and I'm like, got it. Okay. And then I always ask her questions. So 
coming back from any kind of conference or what have you, you need to find a way to stay motivated and focused on what you need to do. You know, yeah, oh, there my man go. All right, all right. So I'm back. I'm not sure what happened, but you know what it is. Just like, you know, just like we told everybody in the beginning, we just making this happen tonight. So Mm -hmm. So we're not here trying to be perfect. We are unsealed, so anything goes. Including yeah. the mic, including the mic. <laughs> I know. Oh, no, I know. But, no, I just, you know, um, like I know you had already talked about it as far as, you know, having your kids involved. You know, one thing that I do, I do implement my kids in my business, especially my son, um, you mm-hmm. know, especially real estate. He enjoys going to networking events with me. He enjoys mm-hmm. going to um like the properties when we were showing it to an end buyer i think uh one of the last deal we did up here he had went to the property with me when it was mm-hmm. completely hoarded like where you couldn't okay. even get inside the property we couldn't even get in the basement so gotcha. last week that real estate agent who listed the property sent us the you know, like the after rehab pictures completely remodeled so I was showing it to him and then he, you know, he just, he walked me through the entire process of what he noticed was changed throughout the entire house. And I, I feel like because, you know, I've been exposing him to stuff like that, you know, that part of the business, even when we are driving, when we are going somewhere, he is able to pick up on the type of property that investors might be interested in. And, you know, sometimes he'll find a property before I do, and then I'll have to pull over, write down the address, and then we come back to the house. I show show him I do it, go on the computer, look up the property, show him how to pull up, you know, the uh, the owner's information, you know, but he's still still young, so maybe in a couple years I can have him start, um, you know, making some calls, you know, know, talking to sellers, which is, um, I feel like it's a... It's a great skill to have, you know, especially at at his age, because when I was growing up, you know, I didn't have the opportunity. So if for me to get my kids involved in any type of business that I start, I think that right there is just going to set them apart. I feel um, in regards to the notary business, they really enjoy it. Uh, there was a time where I took them to an appointment. We, you know, got inside a person's house. He was. Like, shuffling, you know, he was passing around the paperwork to me, getting the pen, getting the stamp. <laughs> he's, bra- he's bringing it, you know, he's, he's passing it around to, to the signer, telling them, okay, you need to sign here. You need to put a date there. And I'm just there, okay, just, hey, do what you got to do, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, because he, because he saw me at previous appointment, how I was doing it, or even when we at the house, if I'm prepping for it, um, for a loan signing, like right now, so I'll have my daughter, she'll put the stickers on there. Okay, this is where they need to sign. So she know exactly where to put put the sticky notes. Okay, dad, they're going to sign right here. They're going to put the date right there. So it's All right. so it's, it's small stuff like that. I feel like it's very important if you teach them the right way. And, you know, as they get older, they might want to open their own business because, you know, we have to realize... You know, not everybody. I know. I know some people are gonna get mad at this. Not every. Mm-hmm. Not everyone wants to go to college. You know, yeah. I, I, I've had friends 
you know, once they graduated high school, they say they have no plan on going to college. They started their own business or they pick up a trade to start their own business. So if you can, so if you can, um, expose your kid to a different idea, a different mindset of, you know, a way of, of thinking, it's not just about, you know, going to school, go to college, but you do have other options. But if, if your plan is to go to college, that's good. But if you, you know, you're not going to disappoint me if you graduate high school. You say, Dad, I want to open a business or I want to take a trade. Like you, that's not that's not a disappointment. You know, we do. You know, by exposing them to business, I feel like you are setting them, like you setting them up for success. You are putting them ahead than maybe eighty percent of the other kids. You know, that's in yeah, the school. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. most people. Like right now, most people just want to play sports. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to, not trying something. A lot of people within, within our community, they mainly focus mm-hmm. on the sports side, but what about the business side? And, yeah. you know, definitely, definitely try to implement your kids in the business. If you're doing it the proper way, like don't go out there and teach them how to scam people with these, you know, courses and all type of nonsense just doesn't work. Yeah. no no it doesn't work at all and yeah and that's the key you know now here's the big thing you got to make sure that your kids know how to sign their name in cursive yeah and that's going to set them apart from a lot of people if the kid now if the kids who graduating out of high school within the next four years and younger you know from at least say four years from now all the way back that's going to be graduating you know when it's the time for them if you can teach them how to make sure that they know how to sign in cursive mm-hmm. that is going to be a huge huge plus for them um in about 15 20 years yeah and stuff you know but then at the same time that's still an opportunity for us existing notaries that yeah i might be well, I'm 56. I might be 75, 78. <laughs> but guess what? If I can still move physically, I will be there notarizing that document and signing um, because I know how to write in cursive. Because unless the states come with a requirement that says the notary doesn't have to write in cursive, mm-hmm. a lot of people are not going to be able to be notaries because they don't know how to write in cursive. Now, which is, you know, I completely agree with you, Griff. You know, as you guys know that we homeschool and that was part of the, that was part of the, the curriculum that we came up with is teaching them how to write in cursive. Like now, everything that my son does now, I have him write in cursive, whether he's, mm-hmm. you know, if he's taking notes, if he's doing his daily journal, he's doing his affirmation. Everything is in cursive because the print, yeah. you know, it's easy to print. You know, it like, you know, it's it's very easy to print. So we had him start writing in cursive maybe when he was about six. Now, you know, he's starting to, you know, definitely take some time. But it's like it's just one of the small things that you that can set your kid apart. So my daughter will be six next month and she's going to start learning how to write in cursive. Gotcha. You know, okay. like like it's it's stuff like that. You know, we really don't see it anymore. I know when I was growing up, I was taught to write in cursive. Then when I moved to the state, I was like, "What is this print stuff?" <laughs> so I had mm-hmm. to, so I had to change how I was writing because my teachers at that time could not understand me writing in cursive. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. how bad it was. <laughs> okay. Man. Yeah, uh, it was bad, man. 
But definitely, you know, definitely get the kids involved, especially during the summertime. Yeah. You know, do, yeah. do not let them just sit at home, you know, playing video games or anything like that. Get them involved. You know, teach them about business, teach them like legal terms, you know, anything that 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 will help them set um, you know, set set themselves apart from everybody else because because they need it. You know, they need yeah. it. Okay. Well, party people, I think that's it. You know, we cover some good stuff tonight. Um, I had to do an impromptu talking <laughs> and everything, you know. And when it, when that happened, I was eating on some chips. <laughs> so that's why I was like, oh man, I was like, mm, I was like, I'm gonna have to stuff these things all the way down in my lower jaw area so I can talk somewhat legibly <laughs> and everything. So I was struggling. So if y'all heard a little smacking sound, that was because I had them chips. In. Oh man, yeah. Look, we had look, we had to make it happen, guys. You know, Q is not feeling well. So as always, you know, we we definitely want to be consistent for what we are doing. And I think we have been the only notary podcast that's been consistent on a weekly basis since we started and we are approaching year one. So, you know, so we just we want to make it happen by any means necessary because we do appreciate you guys tuning in and sharing the podcast, sharing your feedback. So we are like we greatly appreciate it. All right. Well, y'all have a good one, party people. We out. I'm going to start printing my documents for tomorrow and um, getting ready to go to sleep because that chaga tea done kicked in. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, hey, I need to hear some Bob Marley now. You know, I mean, that's just, yeah, I'm that, real mellow. I'm serious, y'all. I'm real mellow. I'm it, real mellow. Right yeah, now. definitely send me that link. Send me that okay. link, Griff. So, yeah. so, so, so I can try it. All right. Well, y'all take it easy, party people. Y'all have a good one. Peace. All right. Have a good one. We know the reason unsealed. Here we go. Took the game over. We home now. We soldiers. Griff, Matherin, and Q, the podcast. You can't hold us. Y'all heard the word. Y'all heard the word. Griff, Matherin, and Q. Yeah, we on a verse. So diverse with no rehearse. That's how we work. Authentic when we give it. If we said it, then we meant it. Not to be confused with other people's views. They get it how they get it, and we get it how we do. Look, homie, this a whole different game. We got a whole different aim. We in a whole different lane. Yeah. We know the reason unsealed. This my everyday life. We know the reason unsealed. Everyday I hustle out here living it right. We know the reason unsealed. Put the stamp down and step in front of the mic. Took the game over, we home now. We soldiers. Rip, Matherin, and Q, the podcast, you can't hold us. We know the reason unsealed. Life.